And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, We're recording this in the Highbury Barn public house. Uh, This is the final stop for the 263 bus, which goes from just by my house uh, to 10 minutes walk from the Emirates Stadium. Uh, Although I did drive today and uh, as uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang found out, there's always traffic at Muswell Hill Roundabout, which is why I was slightly late. Anyway, I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, this might be the first time we've all been in the same room, <laughs> by the way. I've been in the same room with Adrian yeah. at various points and with Amy at various points and with Abby, but never our producer, but never all at the same time. I don't think so. Yeah, no. it's exciting. Isn't it exciting? This is mind-blowing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adrian is wearing that's good Arsenal sweatshirt you got there. Uh, it's a proper Arsenal sweat. Not for uh, much longer, though, eh, Adrian? Why? Definitely not, no. But, uh, it's bad luck, this sweatshirt. I've realised. Yeah, yeah. I am not a superstitious person at all. When did you wear it? Uh, I wore it for the Brentford game. I wore it for the Manchester City game. And I think the sporting game that we might have drawn, possibly lost it. Have you got something on underneath? Uh, I do. Can you, like, get it off? Would that be possible? Look, do you know what? I just thought I would hammer it now because I'm not wearing it on a match no, day no, ever no. again. No, so, no, um, But, yeah, so, no, this is what being involved in the trucker trucker brings, isn't it? It makes non-superstitious people just start to think about little things, and that's where I'm at exactly at the Amy, moment. And, and Amy's giving me a no Amy's look. nodding right here. <laughs> Amy is sort of looking like, yes, yeah, see? Told you. I mean, I won't be happy if we turned up at the game on Saturday and he was wearing that. Don't worry, t- we've had a conversation. He won't be wearing it at the game. Good, that's good. Amy has got choose love, which uh, great, great. That's very, very nice. Uh, anyway, I should say it is international break week, so we won't go too deep uh, on how our players have been doing for their respective countries. Although, if you haven't seen Bukayo Saka's goal for England against Ukraine, uh, you should take a look. And by the way, uh, whoever said, um, somebody on Twitter said that Alexander Sinchenko warned the Ukrainian players if they hurt Bukayo, they'll have him to deal with. And I definitely saw a little bit of that. There was one of the uh, Ukraine players knocked Bukayo down and helped him up and made sure he was okay. And I genuinely believe they thought they don't want to deal with Alex in the uh, dressing room. Um, Anyway, before we start, we're in the hybrid barn. We're in the pub. So we thought we'd ask... Which uh, player or ex-player would you like to come to the pub with you? Um, maybe come and join us to do this. Adrian, what have you got? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think out of the current bunch, I would go with I would go with Ramsdale. Ramsdale, Tierney and Xhaka. I think they would be the liveliest 
uh, crew to hang out with for a few beers. <laughs> Do you not think? It's not a bad call. I think, I, think, I think they might have a little bit of banter between them. I don't think they'd be holding back no. on, on, on the lagers, if it, you know, providing there was enough days before a match. So I think they would, um, yeah, they'd be good company, those three. See, I tend to feel that Adrian might be slightly disappointed with me and Amy, <laughs> who both had ginger beer, ginger <laughs> ale, in fact. I thought, I thought this was the precursor to an all day, but clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's going to have to drive me home. Um, Amy, what about you? Who would you like to go to the pub with? Uh, I think from the current team, I, I reckon Zinchenko would be really good company down the pub. Oh, I think he likes a, a good story. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he seems like a natural communicator and enthusiast. And I think he'd be... Uh, I'd, li- I'd, like, I'd like to chat to him and find out a bit more about his life as well. I think sure. he's an interesting fella. So. Did you see the... I think it was at Amazon that, that did some quick-fire questions with the players this week. They were on Instagram. And I watched a few of them. And they had to think of a word to associate with the player. So they would say, Aaron, you know, Aaron Ramsdale needed to think of something. And with Zinchenko, they all said, crazy. They all said it instinctively. The, the two or three that I watched, it was a, a remarkable. So he's obviously a little bit bonkers. Excellent. That's exactly who you want to go to the pub with. Someone Cut, who's yeah, a little bit unhinged. Get down the hybrid barn, Alex. We'll, the first one's on us. Do you really think that? I mean, I've been in the pub with various people who are unhinged and it gets a bit messy, is the point. Um, but okay, fair enough. Amy, you'd be a controlling influence. Uh, right? uh, well, Calm uh, uh, down, I'm Alex. sitting in a, in a very spot where many decades ago much madness took place and I was here for it. So you're used to this. This was of. our this was our, our pub of choice in the late eighties and early nineties. Uh, so Sometimes yeah, the players it, and it didn't look anything like this. And if you'd have told me then and I'm looking at this very nicely done out restaurant and if you'd have told me then that dish of the day at the Highbury Barn was going to be chicken and cabbage stuffed pastry dumplings. I would not have believed For you. Fifteen ninety-five, <laughs> <laughs> just the twelve quid. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, Highbury has changed uh, somewhat. Yeah. It has. Uh. All right, the current. Uh, did you have one in the past as well? Someone from the past who you go? I mean, obviously, She's been out drinking with all of them. You have been out drinking <laughs> with them. Yeah, okay. I mean, oh, we, geez, really? <laughs> we could name any number from the current lot. I think Ben White would be an interesting drinking companion. I mean, I don't know why particularly. I think I wonder if he'd open up a little bit. Can I have another one, Ben? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Tell us something. what happened at the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us what you'd say to someone who approached you on the street randomly and asked you a question. <laughs> now you've had a couple. I don't know. Obviously, as we've all said, any of the players in the past, some of the players who used to frequent this very uh, establishment, I imagine, uh, would be good drinking partners. <laughs> Let's get to your questions. We're gonna, we've split it into various categories, um, which Abby, our producer, has called Fields, Mikel, Trucker, Trucker, <laughs> and Players. So we'll start with Fields, because Arsenal are all about the Fields. Packstar said, back when the Invincibles won the league, it felt as though everyone had a story and a role to play in what was to be a unique achievement. Uh, they're getting the same vibes off this squad. Do you get this vibe? Any previous teams that you've had this vibe with? Amy, any? Uh, do you get this vibe? I, I, I think all season I've had a, a, a little bit of a 89 feeling, not in terms of the ending or anything like that, but in terms of a young team, an underdog team, of something clicking right from the get-go where it all feels a bit different almost overnight from game one. Um, a fearlessness about the way they want to play, a, a hatred of losing, um, a manager that they believe in, and they represent that manager's values on the pitch. 
and a camaraderie. And those are qualities that was part of that vibe. Uh, and a connection with the fans as well, because they were young lads, a lot of local lads, uh, not earning that much more than you or I, whoever stood on the terraces at that time. Obviously, that's changed a lot. But, there, you know, there was this connection. And we all felt it when talking about feels. And I think when you compare it to, say, some of the later teams, uh, some of the great Wenger teams, for example, I mean, you've got to look at start of eras or kickstart sort of trophies, really, um, if, if you're trying to draw that kind of comparison. And so you probably have to look at 98 rather than 2002 or 2004 from Wenger because already by then they were, you know, a winning machine capable of winning titles. Yeah. The whole point about 89 to an extent 98 and now is, is you've got a, a lot of hope and expectancy on a team, but you don't know if, it, and they don't know if they can do it yet. Yeah. You feel the same way, Adrian? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think that the 1998 team is the easiest one to compare to because it just has clicked gone from pretty mediocre to, to outstanding overnight but I was looking at I was, I was looking at the record actually we've already won as many games we've won 23 games this season that's what that 98 double win inside won in that season it is wow. remarkable so wow. I think what you have to do is maybe ele- we all have to elevate this group and start to think well this is this is potentially really special so so, yeah, I, I think 98 is an obvious one. But I think for the reasons that Amy outlined, I'd say 89 or 91, it's teams with heart and soul, teams that have a real character that want to fight for the badge. They're the ones you sort of identify with and that the fans connect with, and this team has it. I think with the Wenger champion sides, it, it was a super, it, we had a superstar in, in Henri that sort of, sort of propelled us to the next level I think this is this is more about the collective I said I, I've said this before I always felt watching the Wenger size it was a bit like going to see Cirque du Soleil right you go and watch them they were amazing you'd all sit there going I wonder how many we're going to win by today we know we're going to see something amazing whereas this and the team particularly uh, I think the 80s team that Amy was talking about um, it felt like it was more of a collective thing, including the crowd in that. We all had to play our part. Um, great question, though. Great question. Um, Cormac, on the same sort of vibe, where do you feel the current team ranks in terms of previous Arsenal throughout the Premier League? I mean, it sort of depends on how Can't the season... Can't answer that at the moment, no. Cormac. Sorry. No. Try, try again, uh, uh, you know, mid-May. Yeah, we'll come back to you about that. I think, I think that's fair. I think yeah. That, yeah, and I mean, we're not going to go if they win, then we're not going to do that. We'll just wait and see what happens and then answer it at the time. Trucker, trucker, mate. There's no way I'm going to start. Okay, I'm fair enough. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. I, uh, no, no, I think that's the safest That's the safest thing to do. I'd say so. Yeah. Thanks, cool, Matt, but a bit previous. Um, uh, Rob, uh, questions. Uh, this is for Amy, really. Um, have you got any plans for future Arsenal-related books i mean i want to talk to you about this actually is there plans are there plans in the pipeline for a book about the season and and if there is if there is are you writing it Uh, not that i know of to date okay Um, because you should it either should be you or james i mean i suppose i could do it might be funnier but it'd be less (laughs) no but it'd be less (laughs) arsenal heart and soul you know i mean obviously i'm there but but i mean someone should right if, uh, look, if the only thing tricky, I would tricky. say is is there's a real big difference between writing a book about something that's current 
and writing a book about something which has a bit of space and time to breathe before people get to reflect and actually understand how things worked. Um, and, I, and I really felt that the benefits of, particularly with Invincible to an extent 89 as well, I can imagine if I'd have tried to have written an Invincible book in 2004, that it wouldn't have been a patch on what I was lucky enough to glean approaching the subject with all the players 10 years later. Now, they were all a lot older and wiser. They had space to take in what what they'd done, to analyse it and be a bit freer and a bit more candid about how they felt and how things worked. Because while you're still an active player, there's an inevitable caution about the way that you speak. That's, That's necessary. So to be able to put all that to one side and, you know, talk from the soul if you like, talk with a bit more honesty is what is where you get the magic and the insights. So I think, well, obviously, trucker trucker permitting, if there was a, you know, a reason to write a book about this season, uh, <laughs> I think it might be a bit easier, a little bit further down the line. But the only, again, the big difference is, is access, you know, getting players even of the calibre of those Invincibles to talk was... was something that was manageable but these days it's really really difficult because they're in a much more protected media world um uh, I do. Can, one thing i i'm buying this book all right <laughs> when it comes out i'm but adrian, adrian for I'm, sure yeah, i mean sure. i mean people are craving content i think there's they? ways around it that is not a kind of the definitive story no. because the definitive story can't be told right now there'll be no. commission commissioning editors out there just the, the, it, there'll be things in the pipeline already for instant hit books but I think the proper books, they they will take a little bit longer to, yes. to, to come to light. And I think that's a good thing. And so they should, actually. Mm. I think we need a bit of perspective on something like this. Um, also, as a lifelong Arsenal fan, Amy, who was the person you interviewed who most made you think, wow, I can't believe I'm getting to chat to them? And I mean, Adrian, you can also answer this and say, I can't believe I played with them as well. Um, and for Adrian, let's go you first. Yeah, I mean, the obvious one is Dennis Bergkamp because he was just so elite. Just he so, is the one, though, isn't he? Just, I just, I'm still dining out on it. I, it's like, I played with Dennis Bergkamp. He was my mate. <laughs> you know, this was... I just I still can't believe it happened. And, and what I also couldn't believe was that a friend of mine's got a memorabilia company and uh, he said, I've, I'm doing a signing with Dennis. This was about five years ago. Do you fancy carrying my bags? I was like, see right, I do. And, um, <laughs> and I walked in and he hadn't, there'd been no pre-warning that I was going. And I walked in feeling, he's not going to remember me. This is going to be so miserable. And he just did the sort of double take. And then he gave me a big, big, big hug. And he was like, how are you doing like that? So he remembered and it was really nice. We just reminisced. Basically, while he was signing all these shirts and photos, we reminisced for a couple of hours. It was, it was sensational. So yeah, Dennis for sure. But, but also Tony Adams, because the first match I ever went to at, at Highbury, to the right of the paddock, it was when Arsenal, Steve Rowley had given my dad his business card, said, I want you to come up for, 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 for training, for trials. And... And we thought, oh, we'll go and buy a ticket for, for a game at Arsenal. So we, we stood to the right of the paddock. Arsenal, I think, against Man United. Start of the 86 season. And Tony Adams was playing. And, then, you know, what, just a few years later, there I am in the same dressing room as, as Tony. It's just, it was just like, what's happened? Yeah. You know, it's like, this is amazing. So, yeah. and he's my, he's my captain now. And it's, yeah, it just blew my mind. It's great. 
Amy, what about you? I mean, you've met most of them. You've interviewed a lot of them for the Invincible book. I mean, you could name all of them, that, that, but give us two. <laughs> Can you manage two? Um, it is an almost impossible question to answer. And funnily enough, listening to Adrian, you know, Dennis is pretty close to the top of the list. Just because there was something quite mysterious and exotic about Dennis. You know, you have to remember when he arrived in 1995, um, for a record signing, it, it broke the mould of the kind of signings that Arsenal had ever made almost in their entire history, although there were some way back in the 30s and so on that were very big and bold of their time. Um, but Dennis, I, th- I always felt that Arsenal fans were always slightly in awe of Dennis. Like, you looked at him in a, in, a, in a different way to everybody else, that there was something ethereal and otherworldly and a bit above the rest of us mere He's mortals. He's too good for us, isn't he? Well, yeah. kind of. Sort of. It's like that in the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, at times. And he didn't speak a lot in, uh, in the press. He wasn't someone that welcomed that. So if you did get a rare opportunity, it was wonderful. And I remember having a, a sit-down with him, with Paddy Barkley, who was a great friend and journalist uh, at the time, I think, on the Sunday Telegraph, and we had a two-to-one with Dennis, and it was in the run-in to the 2004 Invincibles. I think it was before the Tottenham game, actually. And it was the first time to really get a chance to sit and talk for an hour, rather than a kind of soundbite here or there, to, to a football mind like his. Yeah. And I found him so interesting, just because I think he is a bit of an original thinker. Um, so I guess for that reason, I'd probably go for Dennis. Um, so, yeah. One of the best players to ever play for the club. So why not? From a personal point of view, I've got a picture of me and Amy with Ian Wright at that book signing that we went to, that you interviewed him. And and me and Amy, I mean, Wright is a lovely bloke and we've got to know him. And we, But me and Amy look so happy in this picture. <laughs> I mean, we do look so, so happy. And it's just, and it's nice to know him, really. It is nice to know him. I remember he gave me a lift once when I was in the youth team, back to Highbury when I was injured. And we pulled in, it was near Finsbury Park, just before the bridge there. And there's a big billboard to the left. And he was on it. And we were parked in the, <laughs> we were, he was in his little Merc. And uh, he just sort of, he just wound the window down and started, did a funny righty look. He was like, Look at that, like that. And he just started cracking up. <laughs> just like, just, yeah. It was just so funny. It was just, just yeah, love him, love Ray. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about Mikel Arteta. Syed, uh, Syed H. Uh, can we hear some extended meditations from Amy on the team? All Amy's meditations are extended uh, <laughs> on the team and Mikel Arteta. In light of this season, how does she reflect on her visit to Coney earlier, uh, early to mid last season? And I thoroughly enjoyed her sit-down interview with the boss uh, and the write-up here. Anything that struck her then that makes more sense now? Cheers, Said. That's a really good question. And actually, that day was one where it felt like in my brain something clicked or changed in terms of my own perception of what not just Mikel but the whole club were trying to do in in terms of a cultural and mindset reset. You mentioned unity. I remember he yeah, talked about unity quite a lot. He was obsessed by it. He used the word. I was, was, the I was one of those where I, was, I nearly listened to the whole thing again and did a kind of count of how many times he said unity because you, know, you get an impression of like, oh, yeah, he must he have said that more F than any other. Time. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but um, I think what was most 
interesting about it was that it you felt like when Mikel first arrived, I think that to the to the outsider, they couldn't quite grasp his personality. It was quite difficult to read and quite difficult to warm to. And I felt having spent that day there in that environment that you could see the human side of Mikel coming out a lot more. And this very fascinating mix of a man who is unbelievably driven. Uh, very, very clever. They all are, though, aren't they? All right. To get to the point. No, but to get to, the, to, get to where they are, they're all driven, aren't they? I guess. But, I mean, sometimes you just meet someone who... Who strikes you as having clarity. that little bit Isn't extra? Isn't it not the clarity, I, of, I the clarity of where he wants to go? No, I think no. it was. I think it was a sort of almost a, a sureness that he had that right. it was going to happen. Right. I think he had a certain certitude. Certainty. Cer- <laughs> certainty. <laughs> What's the right? I don't know. What are we looking for here? Surety, surety, sureness. Okay. Surety. Anyway, he was. He was bloody sure that he was going to get there. Um, but the other thing about it was that it was more and he'd never more been a manager easy before, to by warm the way. to him. And I think mm. I could see that here was a guy mm. who was wrestling a little bit with how he got on with his players and how he got his messages across and how he managed to mix this kind of like, I am Mr. Non-Negotiable with, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to see what you need, and I'm going to connect with you individually because, and help you. As Adrian said, he'd never been a manager exactly. before. Exactly, and I so think he, I, I think he, you know, he was aware in a in a way I didn't expect of the fact that he needed, he still had some refining to do and mm. some learning to do, even though he was very, very certain about what he was trying to achieve and how to achieve it. It was more about the personal thing yeah. that I think he was evolving. He'd, he'd been on loan to, to Manchester City, hadn't he? That's what had happened. He'd been on loan to Manchester City. He'd picked up a few things, but then he had to go and swim and, and learn on his own. And But but yeah, that, what struck me when he first took over that first press conference was how confident he was for a, for a guy that had never been a number one manager before. <laughs> he owned it. He absolutely owned it. And... and yeah, look, he's, he's backed it up, hasn't he? With what's happened since. Wow. Somewhat. Somewhat. Um, ben asked the question. Um, Mikel Artesa says this is phase three out of five. What do phases four and five look like to you? <laughs> I'm going to take give it to Adrian oh, because Amy uh, is looking askance like, really, Ben? But... He must. They must have a plan. They must have an idea of well, where they the want to be. The style of football is going to change, isn't no. it? It's, it the, the style of football is is where it absolutely needs to be. It's a beautiful style of football that, and so many neutrals come up to me now and say, "I love watching Arsenal. They're so much better to watch than Manchester City because we play the beautiful football, but we've got we play with a bit of heart and soul, and there's that fight, and there's a bit of fearlessness, and a bit more directness, maybe." So I think the style of football won't change. It, phase, the phase four, I would imagine, is a much beefier squad where you have better players, you know, two really good players in each position. And, and phase five is, is where we, we can attack the Premier League and the Champions League and be in contention to win both competitions in the same season. That's the ultimate goal, isn't it, for, for any big club? <laughs> That's phase love, five. I just love watching Amy at this point. I'm glad I'm sitting down at the moment. <laughs> oh. Isn't it? I don't know. It's got to be it. 
got to be it. It's got to be it, Ben. Thanks for asking. We're not going to go there anymore. By the way, a different Ben had asked, has asked an interesting question, I think. If Arteta became manager directly after Arsene Wenger instead of Emery, where would we be now? Um, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's a, obviously, it's a sliding doors moment and I have no idea where we'd be now. But, I mean, I was going to say it wouldn't have gone as smoothly, but it hasn't gone as smoothly anyway, has it? The first year for Mikel Arteta, we were 14th, weren't we, at some point in there during the, um, during the pandemic? It, we have no idea, Ben to be honest I think one of the things that's interesting is that by the time Covid and behind closed doors and stuff came around he would have been further into his managerial career by then and further into his learning I don't know whether that would have had what kind of impact that might have had you know because he used that in a way in his own way to get closer to his players and he certainly tactically Adrian you'll be aware was using those quiet game times oh, yeah. to, to be more direct with giving his instructions. Now, I don't know, whether, you know, when you think about the arc of his development, that was a big thing. And whether that happened so early or maybe if it had happened a couple of years later, would that have felt different? I don't know. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it was the perfect storm for Mikel when it, when it happened because, partly because of that uh, and because he had this rough patch behind closed doors, which is important because, you know, the supporters didn't, didn't didn't sort of let him know that they weren't happy, but it was it's the emergence of the of the younger guys, isn't it? And it's the rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't have made that rebuild earlier, really, because Saka wasn't ready, Martinelli wasn't ready, all of, all all of these players, and and at that point he would have had a lot more senior guys to work with for longer. And I think the bottom line is that the reason it's accelerated is that he got rid of the older guys, and he's he's, he's brought in a squad of young, hungry players that that want to listen to every single instruction he gives them. I think that's another fascinating point where you think if he'd have come straight in after Arsene, would he have had that strength and would he have been backed enough to take on a Meza Ozil or a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the way he did? And I think because Emery, had, he'd already had his own struggles in that department, it kind of almost paved the way. It was still very, very bold. But whether you can do that straight away... And he wouldn't have had the question. experience of climbing the mountain with Manchester City. He saw what it was like to win a title. He saw what, what kind of culture needed to be in place to last the course over a season. And he wouldn't have had that at the outset. So, yeah, I think uh, it's just it worked out fine. The timing <laughs> seems to have worked out pretty well. Uh, OK, uh, this is Handbreak Off. The Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark uh, in the hybrid barn. 10 minutes, 12 minutes actually walk from the Emirates Stadium. <laughs> I looked on Google Maps earlier. <laughs> Amy, you're looking at 15 maybe? No. No, it's quicker. Yes. Depends. You know your shortcuts. <laughs> I, was, I was in here, by the way, for the 05 FA Cup final. Boozing heavily were when you? Patrick Vieira scored with his uh, that that winning penalty kick. We were terrible for 120 it was minutes. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> and then game. nicked it off. It was a absolutely game. the most fun. Uh, and I was in there. With, I was in here with my brother and a mate, and we went into and his and his girlfriend at the time, and we went into Upper Street afterwards. And I remember going in. I was so hammered going into some I think Turkish restaurant, and just saying, "Give me the hottest thing that you've got." <laughs> <laughs> just give me the hottest thing. That was all I want. I was just so happy. I just want to try the hottest thing. How did yeah, it go? It <laughs> okay at the time. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, my mate said he was at the. Uh, he was at that game. Was at, uh, It was in Cardiff, wasn't it? The cup it was, final. Yeah. And he says the Man United fans were abusing them on the way out, going, "You ought to be ashamed of yourself." <laughs> and he went, "But we weren't." We weren't at all. We just won the, the uh, FA Cup. Uh, anyway, uh, this is handbrake off uh, here with Amy and Adrian. There's a whole section called Trucker Trucker here. <laughs> Amy, look where you started. How do you spell it? Someone said. Many people actually have said. How do you spell it? Yeah. Do you uh, have a definitive? Okay, so I thought I had a definitive and then I thought I needed to confirm with uh, one of my Italian friends from that period in Rome and um, he said well it's really matter how you spell it really so I think that even adds to the mystery of the whole thing there's this kind of sort of urban mythology so you never actually write it it down well I've always spelt it T-R-U-K-K-E twice but uh, you know, I, I couldn't get that verified, so now I'm feeling slightly anxious about the whole thing. Is the word that's spoken only? <laughs> I think so, yeah. it is, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's sort of Masonic, you know, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's like, if oh. you know, you know. Uh, sorry, we can't help you, but uh, spell it how you like <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. really. Um, uh, the ch- on a similar subject, the Chile ESR asked, what was the moment that made you realise that we could challenge? Adrian, what was the moment? Well, I think that I've... I've spent many seasons sort of asking this team or our team to go away from home into a hostile environment and own it. And we went to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and we absolutely obliterated them. It was the most comfortable, professional away win I've seen from us in a in a hostile environment for a long, long time. And, and, and that was the moment that I thought well, this team has the maturity to deliver in, in the big games. We know that they can win the thrillers at Emirates Stadium. We, we know we can score goals. But, but we went there and, um, and yeah, it was, it was a consummate display. So, so that, that, I think, was for me a big turning point. I'm actually going to go for a game that didn't involve Arsenal. And when Brentford went to Man City and won, I was staggered. Mm. And I think that it allowed me to think that they were fallible. And in order for someone else to win the league, Man City have to be fallible. And, you know, 
them being who they are and with added Harland, obviously it, it, it feels like an insurmountable thing ordinarily. So when, you know, Brentford actually go and win away at Man City, and deservedly so, by yeah. the way, it wasn't fluky, I thought, hang on, maybe they're going to drop more points than anticipated and not just storm through winning every single game but all I'm saying is all I'm saying is that was the first time which which I thought it might be possible for someone other than Man City maybe beginning with A and the team (laughs) believed it as well didn't they the team (laughs) believed it as well because remember they asked they asked um, Mikel Arteta Hmm. what was it like because the team were on the bus up to Wolverhampton weren't they to go and play their game and uh, they asked him what it was like and Mikel Arteta said well you can imagine what it was like well, him saying that told me that they believed it at that point. Uh, I'm saying Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Palace away. That first half an hour, I thought, this is a team. <laughs> you <laughs> No, but you know what? Oh, if come you... on. <laughs> Don't try and explain it like you've got I'm, a theory. I'm just saying that when we went to Brentford the year before and we got absolutely roasted there, didn't we? It was absolutely yeah. awful. Yeah. And then to go to Palace and to play the way we did with Sky expecting us to get beaten. Yeah. And then uh, I just thought, well, this is a different, different team. Um, mean? Producer Abby has just shown me a tweet of, that, of her own fair hand that said, that is a quote tweet. And the, the, the Arsenal tweet... On the first match of the season, says three debuts for Arsenal tonight. For the Arsenal tonight, William Saliba, Alexander Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus. Read all about it right here. And Abby writes at the top of it, "We're going to win the league." Wow! Well, see, it wasn't just me; it was Abby as well. You see, the power of us, Abby. Okay. <laughs> we still don't know, but uh, well, people will look at us as some sort of seers, won't they? Maybe shrines to Abby and me. <laughs> Stony, your fantasy world is really <laughs> extraordinary um, at times. All right, uh, this is a good one from um, True Story. Uh, I know he regularly tweets us. I say he, uh, I figure I don't know. True Story, hello. Uh, as we embark on our most important season running for 19 years, can you please each share with us the three most important things that you think we'll need as a club team for a successful outcome and thanks for a great podcast hashtag trucker trucker spelt with a double k uh and we've <laughs> that seems to be the accepted spelling now three things i mean we're going to come up with similar things we have one each <laughs> well, well all right yes what 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 are you going to have what to, to to make the tt it's uh the, the we'll need that we'll need for a successful for the Just to keep score it's the it's for, uh, um we need to continue to attack in a liberated manner for sure because when pressure builds that's when players tighten up and that's when the goals can dry up and teams are going to make it they're going to be very determined to stop us in the closing weeks of the season they always of course but there'll be an extra motivation believe me and but we can overcome that if we continue to play with the freedom and, uh, and liberation that we are at the moment. Because let's be honest, we don't keep enough clean sheets. And if we don't keep clean sheets, then we, we need to score two goals, three goals to win a game. So I think, I think it is to maintain what we saw against Crystal Palace um, and in, in various matches this season, particularly at Emirates Stadium, where we, we cut loose and just, just ignore ignore the meaning of the game that if, if you can do that Amy uh, I think Adrian said that really well it's quite hard to add but I would probably say uh, some good fortune in terms of fitness 
is needed because losing key players for almost any of these games coming in would be really difficult to overcome. So yeah, keeping I think everyone knows who they are, but the ones who are like extra, extra, extra important, keeping them uh, fit and happy is key. I'm not sure I can really add to those two, really. I mean, I would say luck, but you've sort of said it anyway, haven't you, really, with the fitness, but maybe a bit of luck, maybe some refereeing decisions <laughs> as well. I mean, maybe, listen, we've had, I mean, I look at the league table and we're eight points clear and I, I find it difficult not to go, we should be 10 points clear here. And I, and I think, okay, let it go. Hopefully it won't matter. But I do think we there will be a time when we might need something to go our way. I think in that I, way. I think number three would be would revolve around Mikel. I think because this is still his first time looking to get to that summit as a, as a number one, and, and there's no reason to suggest he won't just carry on being himself and doing doing what he's done all season. But that's what he has to do as well. He has to stay calm or or be animated. He, I just don't want him to change because when pressure builds, it can make you make funny decisions. In life, in general, for all of us, if you're under pressure, you can panic sometimes. And I think f for him, he's got to stay cool yeah. and, and, and just keep that clear mind. And, and we've got to hope for one or two more inspired substitutions or changes between now and the end of the season that could make the difference. Yeah, and I think for, uh, maybe one more thing, by the way, City to drop some more points as well. I mean, they got Liverpool at the weekend, and you know we we all we we're going to have to support them for uh, for that game, and um, and hopefully a few few drop points for them that would help uh, immensely. If they don't drop any points, I think we'll be very hard pushed to win the league. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. So yeah. you know, if if they if they can go the route the entirety of this season winning every game you doff your cap yeah um, uh, Ross has asked do you think Arsenal's global brand will take off if they're able to <laughs> I mean what I would say Ross that Arsenal is a global brand and has been since I don't know since before I was born really I mean they were a massive club in the 1930s let's not forget but he's talking about the boost from the Amazon dock he's, a, he's an Arsenal fan who lives in Australia and he started watching the Premier League again because of Arteta's attitude. So many um, celebrity Arsenal fans come into the box on the Breakdown Live, yourself included. And um, um, Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, and when we ask them their story, <laughs> why do you support Arsenal? Yeah. A-list, you asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, know. Um, I know. When we ask I was them with their Brad and Jennifer the other day. <laughs> when we ask them their story of why, it's so often, it's so often Wenger and Henri. It's so often Wenger and Henri. It's like the football was beautiful and we had Henri. I think now the football is beautiful again under Mikel Arteta and we have a player in Bukayo Saka that, that is an inspiration to young fans. So we are going to earn a lot more fans because of Arteta and Saka. Without a doubt. No need to say any more about that one, but thanks for the question, Ross. Um, we've had a few questions about transfers. It doesn't really feel like the time right now. Let's enjoy the ones we've got. Uh, so, Terris, are you surprised, concerned, stroke concerned, that Emil Smith-Rowe hasn't featured more since recovering from injury? We, we have talked about this, Amy. He did score uh, a goal for the under-21s for England uh, the other day. He looked good. He looked like he was moving in the way that he does. He's going to be important to us in the running, I, I think. I sincerely hope so. He's a player that I love watching. Uh, he's a player that not long ago was really responsible for kind of dragging the team along. And I, I, it's been uh, dismayed to me that he's 
been very much peripheral, firstly because of injury and secondly because he's found it difficult to, to get minutes since he's come back. And um, I think I'd be ever so happy to see him restake his claim. You know, I, I think it is all hands to the pump now and there will be games that are yeah. going to be sticky and he is a difference maker. Mm. Reese has had his moment. I think Emil's going to have a moment. I do. He's a finisher. He's a great finisher. He is. Left foot, right foot, head, as we saw the other day. Got 10 for he, us last season, didn't he? he? Emil yeah, he, he, he is cool in the big moments, a little bit like Bakayo. He'll have his moment. I, I said on a, a podcast recently, I, I think he should be getting more chances ahead of Fabio Vieira. And I, I stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully um, he'll come to the fore in the last few weeks. Do you, do you, do you guys uh, agree that, that there really needs to be in the uh, ever-increasing Arsenal songbook a solo song for those players, particularly for Bukayo, given the special place he has in people's hearts? And one for Martin Erdegaard as well, by well, the way. Well, he has got one. It just hasn't really taken off because it's not the best song. No. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, but it's, no, I think I think Emil Smith Rowe and Bukayo Saka should have separate songs at this point. Yeah, we, That's can, still my keep, we can still keep the dual one. Um, but we love the dual one, though, don't we? Oh, That's yeah, right. but I th- what I was that, saying, in addition to. I think so, yeah. Look, we set the set, set I've heard, the I've heard some nice uh, um, versions of uh, Starman, as if a Starboy ah, nice, from Bowie, yeah. which yeah. I think works. We talked about that, haven't we? Or all we need is Bukayo Saka, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I just think there's there's things out there yeah, that we should we should it's overdue. Get to work, get to work, listener. A couple of other players. Who, look at who Amy, been in with the Ashburton Army. She's, yeah. she's, she's, she's now cheerleading the songs. Yeah, yeah but yeah. actually, they they prefer to not have individual songs for players. Their big thing is okay. that we support the team. You'd so. like a, you'd like a new one for Ben White, wouldn't you? Yes, really? I would. Because it just Benny what Benny White, Benny. please. It makes Benny me think White, Benny White, Hill. White. I'll be I know, honest. I, know, I think Benny from Crossroads. And anyone age, under fifty, uh, ask him, <laughs> Mum and Dad. But Avi, <laughs> <laughs> our producer's going. I don't know what you're on about. Um, um, and also, uh, Swed journalist, which I guess is a Sved journalist, which I guess is Swedish. Do you see Reese Nelson as a right back cover as Arsene Wenger played him? Do you think? No. Doesn't seem like a defensive guy, really. I mean, no, he wants to get forward. No, never seen him play right back, ever. Let's hope we don't have to come to that, really. But as you said, Amy, all hands to the pump. You know, I'm prepared to give it a run out if they need me. Um, who is Jason? Who, Jason said, uh, he, was, he was in the Junior Gunners group uh, with you, Amy. Um, who is the player you were most excited about as a prospect or youth team or new son that didn't deliver? And who is the player you weren't that excited about but most surpassed your expectations? It's not an easy question, that. But is Good there anyone who, who you thought, yes, and hasn't quite come through yet? I mean, I would have said Reese Nelson up to, you know, the Bournemouth game. And even still, they were the one, he was the one that a lot of people were excited about early on. And it hasn't quite happened for him yet. Well, Eddie might be another one. There was that period where Arsenal were kind of going around the world buying all the best young players. That was when Fabregas, Bentner... Danielson and and Carlos Vea and you know there is laughter here right yeah. in, in around this table which I think is misplaced because actually at the time I think that Danielson for example was like the best young player Brazil's under whatever it is captain yeah and he was considered to be the best prospect in Brazil at the time Carlos Vea had just won something like the best player in the under 17s World Cup and was the most coveted kid of his generation as well um Cesc we know about and then there's Nicholas Bentner, who, you know, came with uh, a lot of belief in his own 
possibilities. Thought he was the best player <laughs> of all time, essentially. But, you know, you could have made a case really for any of them to have gone on to be great with a slightly different set of circumstances or path. I mean, Veja, when he played some of those Carlin Cup games with his chips and stuff, was just, you thought, wow, look at this. But in the end... He didn't quite crack it at the level that Arsenal Such needed. Fine, fine margins. Great when yeah. he was three nil up, wasn't he? Oh, you know, and even Bentner, you know, with a different attitude, could he have been a, right a, a, an absolute the, the monster time, who terrorised defenders? Like, you know, I think Adrian well, makes a point though. The manager, also mm. the players you're playing with. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the team that we've got now, the way that Trossard and Jorginho have slotted in tells you the way that it's functioning means that almost, not almost anyone, but a, but a really good player who knows, who has football intelligence yeah. can come into this team. Yeah, we've all heard it before, but it is down. It does, most of it is down to mentality and being able to, you know, be so strong when disappointments come. Didn't I didn't really have that. Um, and countless other talented players haven't been able to do it. And yeah, it, it, there's so many... The one that I remember, so the, the one that I remember from when I first started working back at Arsenal, I watched him on tour, was Zelalem, Gedeon Zelalem. A lot of people talked oh about him. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he had such ability with the passing, the quick feet, and I just thought, well, this kid is, is definitely going to make it. And uh, you know, I, I, I looked him up on route to to the pub today. He is still only twenty six. He's just signed for Den Bosch in Holland, and it's his seventh club at the age of 26. It just hasn't hasn't happened to him. So, um, but he, but he was a player of great great ability. Thanks for the question, Jason. And Jason, were you the Jason that came on the preseason tour in 1990 of Sweden? Because if so, just let us know. Because otherwise. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where we were hanging out, but you can feel free to the, the one, attempt to let us know. The flip side of that question, who weren't we excited about this turned out that turned out great? I definitely think Aaron Ramsdale forms forms into that cat. Ben category. White as well, I think. Yeah, no, no, no. I knew Ben White was good because I watched a lot of championship and Is I thought this, this no, good? no, well, yeah, no, actually, yeah. I mean, I really rated him in the championship. Right. Yeah, he was great. But Rambo, you're right. Yeah, but Aaron Ramsdale. None of us are excited about Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> you know, he's a goalie that had been relegated twice. He hadn't really caught my eye, and I watch a lot of Premier League football. I was shocked at how well he did, but I, I was, but I was also shocked. Uh, the uh, the level of antipathy towards him. Oh, why are we buying someone who keeps getting relegated? And there was so much of that. But it's the personality of him that's that's as good as the shot stopping, isn't it? Wasn't it brilliant the way that he pretty much put that across on day one? You know, it's to his incredible credit, it must have been an intimidating situation to come into. And no matter how much the manager and the coaches and the players welcome you and all that, you know that there's been a bit of a campaign that's not very. Uh, welcoming or positive towards you and he literally went out from the first moment and not only did he play well but he showed that personality and character he's got that I imagine doesn't make him too many friends with fans of other clubs but is great to have on your own team and and it spread something straight away. It spread a confidence to the to the defence around him. He hypnotised Mikel Arteta because Bernd Leno <laughs> wasn't doing that badly when he made the change. He wasn't having an absolute shocker I remember it. I'm thinking, really? Is he actually going to change the goalie? Yeah. And 
but he, he'd, hit, he'd obviously been hypnotised by his personality, by his footwork, by what he'd seen in training. And look, it was, it's a good gut instinct from Mikel, wasn't it? Wow. Is it? I mean, is there a thing, by the way, while well, we're talking about Aaron Ramsdale, about goalkeepers and that connection with the crowd because of the fact that he can basically mess about with the guys behind him all the time? I mean, that I've never, I haven't seen that very often, but it's almost like... I mean, it does provide an actual link between the crowd and the team. That he can talk to the crowd and they can talk back at him. And it was so instant that we thought, oh, yeah, he's the right guy. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it works for all players. I mean, Sarah was asking um, about, she said she was at the Emirates for the last game, saw Martin Erdegaard, our captain, walk around the pitch and clap everyone after the game. I mean, she does ask about a chant for him. We've talked about that. But the way that he's taken on that captain's armband and that, that and being a role model and being someone that they all look up to Amy you're nodding here yeah well I noticed that I took a took a really bad video of him walking around the They're pitch it was so videos. bad that I decided not to tweet it but <laughs> it, it you know he it felt like there was this kind of um this this really striking image of you know just him left you know the great big patch of green and all the rest of the players had gone off and, you know, the, the remains of the crowd um, mainly focused on the lower tier who were vociferously clapping back. And and it's his thing now. It's almost, I wouldn't say it's a superstition, but it's very much something that he's taken on board where he makes sure at the end of the game, particularly at home, he will make a complete tour of the entire perimeter it of does. the ground and applaud everybody. And that's meaningful because actually... It doesn't always go that way. You know, it's easier away as a section. You can go up to the away crowd and, and milk it, but or not. But at home, you know, there's often a lot of players, they wave to their families, they know where they might be, uh, or or whoever's gone to, gone along to see them, or that just wherever they happen to be near when the final whistle goes, and then sort of they wander round towards that midpoint halfway line where the tunnel is. Um they used to go over to sort of where Red Action was, which is the corner of the North Bank. Yeah. They have started to now go more towards the clock end and the Ashburton Army. So automatically you're kind of, unless you do the tour, you're, you're not thanking half at least of the ground, really. So that extra effort is just a reflection of how I think he's putting his own imprint and his own personality on what it takes to be captain of this team. He's much, much more vociferous with his gestures. You see him quite often in games now, waving his arms about, come on, he's trying to get the crowd going. Um, I think he feels a certain responsibility to be a conduit of that connection between the players and the crowd. And he's letting us know at times, we need you here. And everybody is responding well to that. And, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have it in your mind to do that because presumably when you're on the pitch in the middle of a Premier League game, you're 100% focused on the game. So yeah. being able to focus on things beyond that or on what your team might, teammate might need to have a chat with them or give a piece of information or communicate with the boss, which are all things that he will be doing, he's also very aware of his role in connection. Well, it's working, isn't it? Let's be fair. Um, by the way, uh, Muzzerox has asked you a question, Amy, 
Uh, I haven't spoken to Amy since the queue to get into Fantasia at Donington. Know, do all our listeners just know Amy? Uh, <laughs> she's been about, and I mean that in the nicest possible sense. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, she hasn't. Uh, Mazarox hasn't spoken to Amy since the, fir- the queue to get into Fantasia at Donington in '92. Um, in the song to finish category, what is her favourite classic old school tune? Well, let's do songs now, and we'll start with you, Amy. What's all your right. favourite classic old school oh tune? Oh my God. Uh, that Fantasia at Castle Donington was a weekend. Well played for remembering uh, <laughs> some of it, you know. Uh, it was definitely up there uh, of its time. Uh, my favourite old school tune from that era, I'm going for Break of Dawn by Rhythm on the Loose. You'll know it. Go Muzzle Rocks. I hope you like that one. Uh, can I say a big thanks to Rose Stevenson, uh, who put together a playlist of uh, all the songs we've chosen over the season. Uh, very good of you to do that. It's on Apple Music, I believe. We might transfer it to Spotify as well. Uh, maybe you could try and guess if you have a listen. Guess who picked what? <laughs> <laughs> it might not be that hard. <laughs> it might not be that hard. It might. It might not be that hard at all. But to give it a go, anyway. Um, Adrian, what you got? What for the song or it's just for my song, own? Yeah, like, for the well, song. Look, I've got I've got a favourite old school tune, so I knew this question was coming. I got a few actually, so many, so many from that that era, uh, house music. But the one that feels the most apt as well, and it, it was a tune, is the Nightcrawlers. Push the feeling on. For me, that 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 is quite apt at the moment. You should let's, be looking at Amy when you say this because I don't know what this song is. Another song? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, it just feels like the title of that song is out for today. Let's keep push, pushing that feeling on. All right. Um, well, um, I've obviously gone older school. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost boarding, to be honest. Uh, it's that long ago. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I wanted to get something we're drinking in, to be honest, because we're in a pub. So I've gone for Chumbawamba. Uh, I get knocked down, I get up again, which is what this team... Every time they have been knocked down, they have got straight back up again, haven't they, really? And it so might happen in the coming weeks. We might get knocked down. I mean, we've got to get up again. If nine, we straight win the TC. nine straight wins. Nine straight wins. Ten. No, we only need the nine. And, uh, Abby's looking at me with ten. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, she thought you got the maths wrong. No, yeah. that's not going to happen. All right, I'm telling you now. Uh, anyway, um, thanks for all your questions. We really, really appreciate you uh, 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 writing in and listening. Sorry if we didn't get to yours. Um, but we'll probably do another one of these. Uh, I don't know when. There are no more international breaks now. But anyway, uh, thanks, Amy. Thanks to Adrian. Thanks to Abby, our producer. And thanks for listening. Oh, and thanks to the Highbury Barn for putting us... You're around, Stoney. Is, <laughs> is it? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I've got to go. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> see ya. Ta-da. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.